you folks for joining us today on the Workforce Show and this edition of what we're calling Main Street. Main Street is uh, an opportunity to showcase businesses that are truly the backbone of communities, of the values that communities uh, promote and of the value of hiring and employing people uh, economically to, to support that community. Our guest today is Judy Crow, C-R-O-W, co-owner of Crow Vineyards in Kennedyville, Maryland, and that's on the eastern shore. Welcome, Judy. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Maryland, in case you who are listening don't realize this, uh, I didn't realize this even though I am a, a passionate wine drinker, unfortunately, or fortunately. Uh, Maryland, you know, in our country, uh, we have, wine is becoming a very important export. And it's as, interestingly enough, uh, Canada, uh, our, our border partner, exports much of their wine to the United States. So as an import-export trade, wine is a very, a very substantial part of our economy. And in Maryland, uh, and Judy, you may be able to update us on some of these numbers, but in researching the industry uh, sector, I read that in 2011, the, uh, there was over $24 million revenue from wine in the state of Maryland. And I don't know what it is on the Eastern Shore. Do you? Um, well, the Eastern Shore is fairly new. I'd say probably within the past six or seven years, we're starting to see some growth of wineries on the Eastern Shore. And I think wineries in the state of Maryland, um, I think we're up to 62 is the last that um, I had heard, and, um, you know. 62 wineries? Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, and I know that in this region it's becoming a very, uh, very competitive uh, industry business sector competing with California, which we have historically thought of as our wine capital of the United States. But uh, Kennedyville is on the eastern shore of Maryland, and it is a very easy drive from New York, Philadelphia, uh, Baltimore, D.C., and for those of you who know the area, you know it's surrounded by the Bay, Chesapeake Bay. It's beautiful. But the farmlands are absolutely gorgeous. And, Judy, this is how you really got this vineyard started. If you would give us just a little background on, on your intro to Crow Farm and the vision of transforming a farm into a destination place in, in this agritourism industry sector. Um, well, it all started about seven years ago when um, Roy and I um, decided that we were going to get married, and this is second marriages for us. And um, he had a third-generation uh, working family farm that had been a dairy farm, but the dairy, fa the dairy herd had been sold. So 365 acres, he's, you know, sort of trying to figure out what do I do with this. When he sold the dairy herd, he had purchased uh, an insurance agency, and that's where he had most of his uh, um, time and interest was growing the insurance agency, which left the farm, the farmhouse, 365 acres, corn, soybeans, um, sort of um, it was there for uh, some redesign. 
So in our discussions about redesign and looking at, you know, what we could see some possibilities, the first thing that we did was to take the main house and turn it into a farm stay bed and breakfast. And we kept the word farm stay in the title um, because we could see that people would want to come from Philadelphia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and spend some time on the farm and, and get to know what a real working farm was really about. Then we planned... So it started as a B&B &B to promote the farm, correct? Right. So that was the first phase, B&B &B uh -huh. to, to promote the farm. Then um, there are, in our region, there have been, uh, in the past um, five to seven years, um, a number of initiatives that would help farmers to look at transitioning from um, some type of farming into grape growing. So we started attending workshops by the Maryland Grape Growers Association and um, some the Upper Shore Regional Council. And we started learning about grape growing, and um, we felt that that might be a nice fit. A vineyard, you know, looks pretty and is um, a nice commodity cash crop. We'd certainly get more for our um, crops than we would for corn and soybeans. And um, so we planted a vineyard, and once we had the vineyard in the ground, we started realizing that, you know, um, we have some building space here, an old, like, equipment shed and some other things. Maybe we should look at um, making our own wine, and it really would be, you know, um, a diversification from bed and breakfast, a vineyard where we're growing the grapes, and then wine, making um, the wine. Um, we also have um, grass-fed Angus beef that we've been intentional with growing that herd, and um, they sort of surround the property. We have 100 head of cattle, and uh, we do rotational grazing for them. And um, we What is rotational grazing? What does that mean? Well, that means like when the grasses are growing in the fields quite extensively, we move them from um, a one-acre paddock um, to each day. So they're, you know, half of the herd's on an acre paddock, and then they move to another acre so that they're all the time rotating um, their pasture so they're getting fresh grass. So mm -hmm. it helps grass to rest, and it also is uh, good for the animals to continue to move. So um, that sort of is like the business model, diversification um, with the bed and breakfast, the vineyard, the winery, and the grass-fed beef. But when you first, you, you, you mentioned earlier that uh, seven years ago when you married, uh, your husband's name is Jim? Roy. Roy Crow. Sure. When you, mar when you got married, he brought you to the farm. Uh, but you're, you're not new to farming, uh, if I'm correct. You, where did you come from? Um, the inner city? No. Initially, I grew up on a dairy farm and uh, swore that I would never marry a dairy farmer. And um, I was in college administration and college education, and my last um, professional job was to work at um, a, a local nonprofit and get that up off the ground. So I gave mm -hmm. up my um, career um, to, you know, sort of shape something new, and it's been really exciting. And I think that's part of the success of this has been um, taking something old and making it something new. Um, and I think that with farming diversification, um, a lot of times 
that's hard to accomplish because um, when you've been farming for a long time, you're usually pretty exhausted. And I, I think when I met Roy, that's what he was feeling. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work. I've worked really hard. I don't know what to do next. And, you know, I've been able to just look at it with fresh that, eyes. Uh, you, know, you raise a very interesting point, and I don't want to sidetrack you, but it's a question that uh, I have that it's the, you had mentioned earlier that you were raised on a dairy farm and you vowed you were never going to be on a farm, and definitely not a dairy farm. Uh, Roy got burned out being a farmer, and so the question was diversification, what to do with this farm, and yet farming is such an important industry sector. Is, is this the model that impacts, is this what happens to a lot of farmers? They, they get burned out and they decide they don't want to manage their land anymore, and they, let it, they either let it go or they sell it or have to find some other thing to do, or is it just the economics of it? Um, I think all of those factors you mentioned are um, important to consider when, um, you know, sustaining a family farm or sustaining any farm. You know, um, there comes a time where y you have to reevaluate things, and sometimes you know, when you're tired and exhausted, it's hard to reevaluate. And sometimes economics drives. You know, when you're when you're used to making this much money on this piece of land, and at least it's steady, <laughs> you don't look mm -hmm. around to find other ways to do it because at least that happens. So economics is a piece of it, also. Okay, but you also, uh, you, when we talked earlier, talked about your passion for maintaining the agricultural community, the farmlands, the the values that are very part and partial of rural America. Is that also not part of the drive that brought you yeah, I, to that decision to trans, transform the farm into yeah. something that kind of combined it all? Yeah, and that's that word transform. It has found its way onto our um, label of our um, wine that we make, and it's in our marketing materials. And um, I think that, that that word transform somehow has brought new growth and energy in um, the process. You know, it's um, taking old buildings and, and old um, items that we have around here and recreating new uses for that but maintaining the structure and the familiarity of what it feels like to be on, you know, something that has been here for generations. And in our structuring of that redesign or transformation, we've been very intentional that we, you know, want to um, keep it uh, somewhat natural and somewhat uh, rustic so that people that have lost touch with the farm People living in cities. Um, but yesterday we went to uh, D.C. to visit one of our sons, and on the drive-in we're looking at each other and saying, oh, my God, thank God we don't have to live in all this concrete. Um, but that's the first thing people say that have been in the city for a long while and they drive out here. It's like, oh, my God, there's so much open space and there's so much green and it's so beautiful and all we get to see is concrete. That's probably not what developers are saying when they drive out there. They're probably seeing concrete yeah. development, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, I, I remember years ago we were visiting family in uh, Illinois. My mother's side of the family were dairy farmers, 
coincidentally, and his children did not want to do that, just as you're saying. And he very sadly said, look at this beautiful farmland. It's going to be housing subdivisions. <laughs> and, you know, it's that's you know, part of that reality. I see that when I visit the Eastern Shore, you know, the growing. And they, they need to have people come to the Eastern Shore. You know, they need to sustain their economy. So the fact that you have found a way to sustain your part of the world is uh, – I think very important, but you're a dynamo. I mean, it, it sounds like you're the you're the breath of fresh air that kind of recharged and re-energized this whole model, this whole farm uh, system. But what, even though you grew up in a farm and you never had a vineyard, I mean, I'm assuming that this is the first vineyard you've ever started. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, and you know, Roy, because he is so connected to the farm and the land, um, the transition for him from Farming to grape growing was very easy. Um, you know, he has a sense of the size of equipment we have, what size of, you know, spacage in between uh, the rows we should put. You know, he every morning when um, the leaf, when the um, plants or the vines are in, you know, green, he's out there touching them and experiencing them and watching them. And he's um, he's a real farmer, and it it was that part for him was easy. Not as easy for me because now I remember some of the things I hated about farming, the, um, the you know, doing the same task over and over and over. So it was, mm-hmm. drove me crazy, but he seems to really like that. Uh, well, that's a good balance. So I'm so glad the two of you found each other. So it wasn't easy, or you, you mentioned going to the classes, becoming aware of vineyards and wine growing as a, a way to, to utilize the farm, uh, to, to sustain the farm. But what, what, it, what, what have been some of the greatest challenges? Because uh, you've been in business now as a vineyard for how long? Um, we've had the vineyard going on uh, five years. And um, years. We've, we've been making wine for three years. So, uh-huh. And you've had your B&B. So you've been in business, what, for about six years? Seven years, yeah. Yeah, so, six, seven years. I and think, I can personally attest the fact that your name is a growing name, uh, becoming very well known in the region uh, for your vineyards. And that may have to do with the wine. You tell us, I think you just won a, an award for one of your wines, correct? Correct. And... You asked about where was our uh, biggest um, challenge. It was when we knew we could be grape growers, but we wanted to enhance our um, revenue. So making wine was very, the thought of that was overwhelming and very challenging. But through we found a um, consultant winemaker that um, has been working very closely with our family, and he's training us in all aspects of um, vineyard management and um, premium dry winemaking. His name's John Levenberg. And he just basically comes here and spends, you know, a week at a time and works with us intensively, and we're getting the hang of it now. Um, and, it, yes, we are making some fine wines. We have um, gotten several medals at the Maryland Governor's Cup. Our Vidal Blanc got a gold medal. Our Rosé got a mm-hmm. gold medal and a best-in-class, and that's the Barbera Rosé. That's mm-hmm. unheard of, that a best-in-class for a Rosé. And um, mm-hmm. our Barbera, which is also grown here, got a bronze medal. So all mm-hmm. the wines that were harvested on two-year-old vines grown here um, placed a medal at the Maryland Governor's Cup. So we were very, very proud of that last year. 
And, um, yeah, congratulations. So, again, uh, are, there, were, are there any other challenges that you had to confront and overcome in order to get to where you are now? And what kinds of – you mentioned having a consultant kind of training you in the knowledge, skills that are needed uh, to become a uh, – what do you call yourself? Well, not a wine grower, a vineyard owner. What is the official title that it's a, somebody? Uh, yeah, vineyard and winery owners. Um, so the vineyards where you have the grapes in the ground, and the winery is where you have the production center for making um, the wine. The the mm-hmm. challenge I think that is laying before us right now is um, we are starting to see in Maryland some good quality wine making. Um, Black Ankle, um, Knob Hall, um, there are a number that um, are sort of raising the bar for um, wine in Maryland, and we hope we're right there with them. And I think that, you know, the general public has pretty much been um, seeing Maryland wines as something sort of sweet wines. And ours indeed are not sweet. Um, Ours are, you know, dry wines. And it's hard to stay on that path of, you know, we want good quality grapes, making good quality wine, premium wine. That's what we want to do. Um, When the public has a perception and demands for sweeter wines for Maryland. So that has been a challenge for us to stay at that bar and keep at that track and finding creative ways to market our wine, such as we, you know, have our wines in some local restaurants that have our beef and our wine. And um, so it's not necessarily for us going to the large festivals where they're pouring lots of wine. It's more one-on-one contact with individuals explaining farming sustainability, what we've been able to do to transform the farm, and how it has um, ultimately brought us some very nice wine in the process. So, and family-owned and locally family-owned. And you also, if I recall, uh, Chestertown, Maryland, has a farmer's market every Saturday yes, in the spring and summer. Do you have a booth there for your yes. your beef, correct? Yes, we have a booth there for our beef. And now in Maryland, um, wineries are um, allowed to participate in certified um, farmer's markets, Maryland farmer's markets. So we sell our wine at farmer's markets in um, Chestertown right now. We've traveled around to various other farmers markets last year. Last year was really the first time farmers markets allowed wineries. The law changed a little bit to make that happen for us. Um, And this year we're strategically looking for locations where we would want to have a farmers market um, where there's Mm -hmm. a tourist that the tourists would find their way out here and um, perhaps spend some time at our bed and breakfast, but at least make a day trip. Out to the. Uh, is that Maryland? Is that where you can sell your wine at a farmer's market, or is it Virginia and D.C. et cetera? No, it's just a Maryland. It's a Maryland. Just a Maryland. Yeah, I don't recall seeing the wine at any of the other local farmers markets. And my last question, or one of my last questions to you, is the uh, the. You met, uh, the, st- the state and the region, and we mentioned uh, Upper Shore Regional Council and uh, Shorevines, how, how has your community, your state, your local community supported you in, in helping you grow and develop and market your business? 
Well, um, I think the Maryland Wineries Association, um, our membership there, that gives us broad coverage throughout the state of Maryland. Upper Shore Regional Council, through their Harvest Directory and through various workshops that we've attended that got us started, um, has been very helpful. And then that, that resource, Shorevines, um, which is an Internet-based um, educational resource that, you know, helped transition us from the possibility of, okay, you can grow grapes, now you can make wine. So there was a lot of resources there that were free and, you know, just out on the Internet for grabbing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the local community, um, now they're starting to wrap their head around, you know, what that really means. We had um, some neighbors from a farm not far from here stop in yesterday, and um, their impression is, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that this was happening just two miles down the road. And I think <laughs> the... Uh, the this year, we just received from Kent County Chamber of Commerce outstanding business um, for 2013, and I think that speaks to the thought that everybody is like, oh, my gosh, it, it, this is like a little piece of Napa right here down the road from us in mm -hmm. our community doing exactly what our strategic plan calls for, bringing people to the county, having them spend some money here, and um, mm -hmm. we even go someplace else. So right. our rural integrity, uh, the beauty of the area, and we still get to boost the economy a little bit. So, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. Do you hire people? Uh, is it seasonal or is it something you can manage just with family? Because I know your son is involved with the farm, right? The, and the vineyard. We all help with the vineyard and winery. And, yes, we hire people. Right now I think we're up to four part-time people and three full-time people that are working on the farm. And like Roy said, when he was managing the farm and um, before he met me, he would get some time on the farm to help. <laughs> That's about all that sort of uh, that. Well, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like, a, well, I know, I, let me back up a, a bit. I think I, the, the scenery is beautiful and I hope the people listening will check you out on the website and uh, take a trip there and visit the Eastern Shore, visit Kennedyville, visit your vineyard. Uh, but it also sounds like a, uh, an idyllic situation. You're, you're working the farm, your husband's gone <laughs> working his business, you come together and you can kind of share in the success. And the most beautiful part is that the Crow Vineyards are is really part of a growing, as we mentioned earlier, agritourism industry sector that is going to be able to be and should be one of the great economic sustainers for rural America. And I know there's a lot of attention being uh, focused on what to do with rural America, and so they don't have to be in great dire straits uh, all the time, and nor have to bring in stovepipe kinds of organizations. So you are great to uh, be a good example for us in showcasing what you're doing. And I want to thank you, Judy Crow, for taking the time to talk to us today on our Main Street segment of the Workforce Show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you.